Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. This is the moment you never wanted to come. The line in the sand you never thought anyone would draw. The chorus of people rising one by one, each saying, no more. No more will we let you get away with your behavior. No more will we bury the stories and suffer in silence. No more will we let you hide behind your wives and your daughters. No more will we accept your online virtue signaling as a sign that you've changed. No more will we let you be heralded as CEOs, founders, ECDs, and the leaders of this industry. Moving forward, your reputations will be forever scarred, as we are. If you're worried that your name has been shared, it has. If you're worried people are talking about you, they are, and a lot of us have receipts. Your NDAs may protect you for now, and the law may be on your side, but what is not is us, the people you have hurt, degraded, fired, assaulted, and raped. You may not believe that happens here, but it does all the time. You and the people put in place to protect you have just made those stories disappear. You've all persuaded yourselves that it's just not that bad. But who gets to decide what is good and what is bad? Who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong? Who gets to play judge and jury? It was you, but now it's us. We recognize that management teams and HR departments protect businesses. So from now on, we will protect ourselves. We will have a zero tolerance approach. We won't escalate internally, we'll escalate to the police. You won't sign your silencing documents, we'll shout your names from the rooftops. We won't cower under your threats of reprisal. We will stand tall with an army at our backs. We won't take your money to stay quiet. From now on, there is no price you can pay to keep our mouths shut. While we may not be able to hold you accountable for your actions of the past, we can hold you accountable for your actions today and tomorrow. So think of this as your point of reckoning. This is a moment in time where you have a choice to make, to hold yourself and your behavior accountable, to learn and grow and change, or to keep doing what you're doing and to push against the turning of this tide. But trust us when we say that if you do, we will pull you under, because now you won't be able to squash one person and their experience. You'll have to take us on all. You ignored Time's Up and Me Too, narrowly, and laughed about it in bars. Yes, we know. But you should be more scared this time. Now you won't even get away with so much as a stray wink. So good luck out there. 
accountability is a bitch and now all eyes are on you. You are listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad, the Adweek podcast that takes a look at advertising, marketing, uh, pop culture, tech, because in the end, everything is an ad. I am your creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek, Shannon Miller, and co-host of this lovely podcast. Typically, sitting to my proverbial left is David Greiner. Um, However, today it is just me with a couple of really great friends on a very important episode. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today and I am very excited to speak to a couple of people. Um, one of which who is a frequent guest on this podcast, my colleague and, uh, European bureau chief, Stephen Lepetak. Hey, Stephen. You speak to me every day. How can you be excited about this? That's a very good question. <laughs> and yet somehow here I am. Happy to have you either way. Thank you so much for Well, good luck in your first solo effort. Oh, yeah. Let's not talk about that. Because <laughs> that will just make me more nervous than I need to be. Um, now, joining us today is the founder of UK-based strategy agency Bodacious, um, she also is currently the talk of the industry for a really frustrating but really necessary and incredible conversation that is happening um, that we are hoping that after today will be way more robust. Um, so we are joined today by Zoe Skamen. Hi, Zoe. Hello. How are you doing? I am great. And thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so let's just dig right into it because over the holiday, Zoe released an incredible essay titled Mad Men, Furious Women. If you have not had an opportunity to read this essay in detail, I am going to encourage you right now to stop listening to me for a second, pause, There'll be a link in the description. Give it a good, hearty read. What Zoe does um, is incredibly necessary. She details her experience. um, Well, let me walk that back. She details an experience that is widely um, shared by women in this industry. It details a culture of harassment and misogyny and sexual abuse that has been long fostered in an industry and continues to happen because of unchecked power. And right now we are dealing with a very necessary reckoning that we have seen time and time again, industry-wide. But, you know, Zoe, tell us about this essay because it's best coming from your words since you did such tremendous work. God, I don't know where to start. Um, It started for me because I had a conversation with uh, another female strategist last week who I'd never met before, and she'd come over from New York. And so we met for coffee. And within the first 10 minutes or so, we were already warning each other about who to avoid and where to avoid. And we were sharing horror stories. And we suddenly caught ourselves and we were just like, the fuck are we doing? How is this 
a normal conversation. Um, and that then spun us into talking about how embedded it is within our behavior. Um, and I read a tweet a few days ago after I'd released my piece and someone articulated it far better than I could have. And she said, warning other women how to stay safe in this industry has become our love language to one another. And it is the way that we help protect one another. But the way that it's become normalized and the way that we accept that that is just how it is and that those conversations about how to stay safe and who to avoid is just one of those things we talk about just unleashed this rage in me when I suddenly started seeing it. And so I said that I was going to put together a piece about misogyny. And then the minute I started writing, I couldn't stop. Um, you know, all of this stuff just came rushing out of me. And it was kind of 18 years of pent up frustration and fury at what I had been forced to endure, but also what other women had been forced to endure as well. And again, how much we just kind of normalized it as par for the course, run of the mill. That's just advertising, laugh it off, ignore it, you know, get back up the next day and go to work and carry on as if everything is, is normal. Um, and it's not okay. And it's something that I decided that I wanted to shine a light on. And it's also the first time I have felt in a position to be able to do so because I am not attached to another agency. I don't have anyone in a position to be able to silence me now. Um, I've built a robust business on my own and my voice is my own for the very first time. And so I felt like I, I kind of owed it. Um, to myself and to all the other women out there and men, you know, that get abused and harassed as well, to finally light that match and say, right, fuck this, we need to do better. So interdispersed um, between your testimony, you have numerous, numerous um, excerpts um, from other women, anonymous women, or as you also mentioned that men spoke out as well. Um, so these anonymous testimonies that ring so familiar, not just to people in advertising, but people who experience this sort of abuse across industries. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience in gathering those stories? Was there a through line that surprised you at all? when you were gathering these testimonies? None of them were surprising to me. Um, they ranged uh, in a spectrum from microaggressions through to rape um, and other horrific things as well that were shared with me. Uh, I put a call out on Twitter just saying, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday last week saying, you know, I, I would love it, you know, if you would share your stories with me because I think the best way to, to really bring this to life and to really hit it home is to tell, you know, real tales of what the experiences have been. And I was absolutely inundated. So the stories that you see in that piece are probably less than 10% of the stories that I originally got. Since the piece has come out, I think I've probably got about 500, maybe more. Um, and they're coming in from everywhere. They're coming in my inbox. They're coming in my Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs, LinkedIn messages. They're everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And they are harrowing. And this is not, you know, hey, advertising back in the 80s and 90s. This is now, you know, these are stories that have happened in the last couple of years, the last six months. 
um, you know, the last 12 months, in some cases last week, and it's not getting any better. Um, and that's what I wanted to shine a massive spotlight on because we are, as an industry, exceptionally good at over-communicating. And we are exceptionally good at copywriting pledges and codes of conduct and taglines and calling from the rooftops that we are woke, that we're liberal, that we're innovative, that we're progressive, that we care, that we're feminists. And it's bullshit. It's just utter bullshit. Nothing happened after Me Too. A couple of symbolic heads rolled. That was it. Nothing's really happened after Black Lives Matter. We put some lovely worded pledges out there. You know, people ticked the box and said, yeah, we sign up to this. Nothing's happened. Um, and I'm quite cynical about this as well. And potentially what's going to happen as a result, because some of the pieces that I've seen, including in the ones in, in Adweek as well, and also Campaign Magazine, are talking about let's write another code of conduct. Let's write a pledge and get agencies to sign up to it. Fuck your words at this stage. Honestly, I'm past that point, as are most women. We don't believe them. We just don't buy into the way that we're communicating when we know that the behavior is so unbelievably different. And that dissonance between the two is just giving rise to a huge amount of anger um, and frustration. And that's what you're seeing pouring out. That's why this piece is resonating so much. You know, it's, it's coming up to 100,000 views in three days. That doesn't happen because, you know, this is something that people have read and kind of gone, oh yeah, you know, it doesn't really resonate with me. It's happening because everyone's reading it and going, this needs to stop. I've experienced this. I understand this. You know, I can see myself in this piece in many ways. And that's why it's got gathered so much momentum and so much energy because we're exhausted. And this is not something that anyone will accept moving forward. We cannot continue in this vein. We have to do better, but I don't give a shit about words. I want policy change. I want action. I want legal ramifications. That's what I want out of this piece. And that was what I wanted to try and convey in terms of the rage. You know, and at the end of the piece, I said, I wish I could wrap this up for you in a neat bow. I wish I could give you steps to take. But it's not as easy as that. This is complex. This is murky. This is people abusing power. Uh, this is people shutting down other people's voices. This is NDAs as an absolute fucking scourge on this industry. Um, and that is the kind of stuff that we need to focus on when it comes to where we direct our energy next. I mean, there were two particular aspects of this that I really appreciated. One, the title itself, Mad Men Furious Women, simply because as a person who covered entertainment um, pretty in-depth prior to my post here at Adweek, Mad Men was, has always been considered like this prestige television. Um, mm -hmm. But also it's been considered as this sort of like, crystal, this thing that's like sort of crystallized in time. Like this is a look at the industry so many years ago. This is a part of history. I'm like, it's a look at an industry now, <laughs> to be honest. Like how much of that has really, truly changed outside of what you've said, um, the sort of front-facing uh, facade of wokeness and enlightenment mm -hmm. when you have so many stories that speak to the contrary. Mm -hmm. There was another passage of this 
that I'm going to read right now, if you don't mind, that really resonated to me just um, not only as a woman, but as a person who covers diversity and inclusion every day. And I'm going to read it right now. So it says, insidious misogyny differs in many ways from its overt counterpart, but its most important and devastating distinction is its lack of data and therefore the seemingly insurmountable challenge of making it both visible and tangible, because how can we fix something that we can't see? Um, the numbers we're used to examining, such as the numbers of women in agencies, in agency leadership, the number of female creative directors, the number of female graduates entering the workforce, are all great when it comes to monitoring representation, which is critical, but they do not and cannot track the abuse which takes place behind the scenes. Why? Because no one else, because no one asks and no one tells. That hit really hard because that is something that makes not only my job incredibly difficult, but it perfectly encapsulates what marginalized folks deal with all the time when we speak to our experience. Yeah. Because when we talk about our, what we live day to day, When we say this is the abuse that we not only experience, we witness it in others. We live this culture every day. We're met with, well, what do the stats say Mm -hmm. in order to talk about this responsibly and objectively? Mm -hmm. But when there's no stats to speak to that, that doesn't invalidate our experience. It just, one, sort of kicks the, the ball down the lane and two makes something that causes so much trauma hard to quantify. You're asking us to quantify something that we know to be true and live every day. And it speaks to a very multi-layered failure, not just with agencies and clients, but also, you know, on a scientific level that this is something that we need to look into more deeply. What what is the next step in terms, and I know this is a big ask um, because it's not your responsibility to write the playbook on this, but what is the next step in making a systemic change and like actually putting this or packaging this in a way that will, for lack of a better term, help the people in power give a shit about this thing that they should really, really be tackling right now? Huge question. Um, For me, there are three different strands that I see as immediate priorities um, in terms of what we need to start doing to be able to even have a chance in hell of, of actually stemming the flow of women leaving the industry, but also stopping this behavior as being kind of part of our, our, our culture. Um, the first thing is we need to abolish NDAs completely. They need to go. Um, I'm not the only one that's saying this. You know, Cindy Gallup and Kat Gordon have been banging this drum for years and no one's really been hearing them. I think there might actually be traction around that now. I really hope so. Um, the NDAs are used as a pernicious way to silence people who have been hurt Um, And they are used as ways to basically get rid of any level of scandal so the agency can continue on. Um, And what they do is they damage people's careers and their prospects. 
Um, they shut down their trauma so that they have no choice but to basically keep it to themselves, which is deeply unhealthy, as we know. And they let predators continue. I mean, we know some of the stories that happened in Me Too. There was one particular agency that had multiple, multiple, multiple NDAs against one person over the course of a decade. And that agency decided to protect that one man and to destroy the careers and arguably the lives of all of those women, which is disgusting. And the NDAs were what allowed them to get away with that kind of behavior. So they have to go. We need to lobby as an industry that we will agree that we will no longer silence people's trauma with a fucking non-disclosure agreement. It needs to stop. Then when you get rid of the NDAs, the next thing is actually the reporting lines um, of this kind of stuff. Right now, the only escalation point is for women and men, if they experience this, to go to the HR uh, department within their own agencies. The HR departments were never, ever set up to help the people in the agencies. They are there purely to protect the businesses. They've always been there purely to protect the businesses. They cannot be trusted to put the morals um, that they really should be showing first and foremost, but also the needs um, of a person that's been hurt in that particular way. They don't give a shit. Their incentive is to shut it down, to keep it quiet, to make it go away. And that is one of the things that I think we also need to address. We need an external escalation point for these women that is unbiased, that is a united front of a number of different programs, you know, from WACL to NABS to 3% to Creative Equals and more. They need to come together, which they are doing right now, and set something like this up. And that es external escalation point needs to have a lawyer. It needs to have an HR specialist. It needs to have therapists because they are needed. Mm -hmm. um, and it should put the fear of God into these agencies because the minute they know that these kind of complaints against harassers can be escalated external to their own walls, they will shit themselves as they fucking should. And that's where we need to get to. We need an external point. And then the final thing is being able to actually collect data on this because if we allow these escalations to happen in a way that is unbiased and open and properly and openly recorded, then we can actually start to quantify the scale of the problem because we will actually be able to report how many uh, sexual harassment claims have been escalated, how many bullying claims have been escalated, how many microaggressions have been brought up. And we don't have those numbers right now because we squash them and we make them go away. But that's what we need to start tracking in order to be able to understand what's really happening. And you know, an example of that that is going really well at the moment, which is slightly different, is in Nottingham in the UK. The police in Nottinghamshire have now officially recognized misogyny as a hate crime, which means that when these kind of harassments are happening and they're being reported to the police, rather than trying to squish them under you know, um, something else in terms of like robbery or someone screaming at you in the street or something like that, they are able to label it as what it is, which is misogyny. And because they're able to label it, they're now able to track it. So they can actually see the number of cases week by week, month by month that are labeled by misogyny. And then they can use that data to start to see the scale of the problem within the area. That is what we need for advertising. We need to be able to be able to like label it properly so that we can track it, so that we can actually address it with numbers. But we cannot do that 
if we continue to use NDAs and if we continue to allow escalation to only happen within agencies. And Stephen, you can speak to what Zoe's talking about here, because what the plan that she lays out starts really with just getting people to talk about it first and and foremost, getting the industry to acknowledge that this is an irrefutable truth. And here at Adweek, we're attempting to stoke this conversation at an industry-wide level. And you in particular have been following this beat for the past couple of days and trying to um, talk to, get the industry to speak on this directly. What have your findings been thus far? I mean, I've been doing it more than a couple of days. I feel like I've been doing it my whole career, but there's there's always a roadblock somewhere. Um, I mean, first of all, where we are this week and what has changed in terms of this conversation, and congratulations, Zoe, on being the one that's done it. It's You've pointed out that there is absolutely no place for women who have experienced this to go in the industry, for all the, the the associations that we have, for all the different bodies, they still feel like there's nowhere they can go. And I, 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 it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible to, to think that there are so many women who have gone out to work and experienced this and don't really have the support they need to deal with it. And we've been talking about it forever. And it's just, there, there was not been a solution there's been potential places to go, but there's just never been a, a solution that makes a difference. And what Zoe is talking about, I think, is a great idea. And it's unbelievable that all these associations have not worked together when they can, they've each done positive things, but not to the extent that together the impact they can have. And this is an international issue. It can't just be associations talking in just Britain and America. This is an international problem that needs to be looked at. And the scale of what we've seen this week shows it's out of control still. There's So the conversations I've had uh, and pulling together a reaction piece, just a simple reaction piece, uh, has been what always happens. You, you say... Can we talk about this? And men, rightly or wrongly, don't want to get involved because they're worried that either if even maybe they've maybe they've been complicit with us, or maybe they just simply don't want their name attached to to the topic in itself. But they shy away time and time again. They shy away, and as much as that does not help anything, I I, I don't know how you turn that around either. How how to get them to actually talk. There's, it's the same group that always that always talk about it, and then trying to get others is very difficult. Um, and it, but it's something we continue to encourage. Uh, and I I am part of a group, Yes All Men, which was formed to start talking about how we understand and build respect towards women. Because until men have a better understanding and respect, then I don't think this goes away either. But there's so so many elements to this that just I just don't see solutions to, and it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, there's a lot of really frustrating elements to this conversation, but the thing that I think rings especially angering is that the people that are stoking this conversation, the the women that are sort of having to 
repackage their trauma in order to fix this issue. It's are, it's the same group of people that it's really not their responsibility to fix misogyny because it's a system that they didn't create in the first place. It's similar to how we had the, you know, we had this huge global reckoning or supposedly with Black Lives Matter last summer and the conversation continuously turned to Black people asking us how to fix racism as if we built it. And it's... it's. I, I, I think I know where you're going with this and I want to jump in and say I, yeah. it's a man's problem to fix. Women cannot fix this. It is men who have to see that there's an issue here, see that their behaviour needs to change. Sorry, I'm I'm getting angry about it, but it's a man's problem to fix. It is everything we've read this week, men have created this problem and they are the ones that need to wake up. And it's not just an advertising issue. That's what's terrifying. This happens across industries worldwide. It's not just advertising, but we're talking about advertising. We have we spend so much money on associations to try try and solve the problems of advertising. Fix this. Men need to start thinking and talking about this and realizing this is an issue that only they can solve. So, what I, you've talked a little bit um, about the response that you've received since uh, debuting this piece. Has there been any sort of shift in the responses that you've received personally that show that? there are men that are interested in amending this problem? I guess we'll see. Um, as I said, I just, I don't trust words. Um, and I think, you know, exactly what you were just talking about with, you know, with Black Lives Matter as well, there was a whole tsunami initially of support and outrage and people kind of going, oh my God, you know, how have I never seen this? Um, and obviously, uh, you know, as you mentioned, black people are just like, what, you know, we've been living this the whole fucking time. Um, right. and then you know, being asked to then kind of go, how can I be a better white ally? It's like, well, you can go and do the work and read the books and understand history and, you know, gain some empathy and some insight and all this kind of stuff. But putting that work on you was, was overwhelming considering the trauma that you were reliving and re-experiencing at that point in time. And the exact same thing is is happening now where, you know, a lot of men are coming forward and saying to me, oh, my God, I had no idea. Um, You know, maybe I just never saw it. Uh, What can I do to be a better ally? What can I do in my agency? Um, And again, the frustration is, how did you not see this? Um, How did you not know that this was going on? Um, and actually they probably did, you know, because they were probably aware of the NDAs and that kind of stuff as well. But again, it was boys will be boys, advertising will be advertising. Um, and so, you know, the ones that have come forward to say, you know, I, I will do better. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I just I just don't believe the words because, you know, it, all of that rage and outrage comes out. And then about five days later, it's gone and something else has come up. And all of that stuff has been forgotten. So I would like to see them really act on this and put policy changes in place and also support the three things that I talked about, which was, you know, the NDAs, the external escalation and the data tracking, you know, to make sure that we're actually seeing the true picture of this. And if they support that, then yeah, you know, I'm all for it. And I think it will be great to have them along, you know, for the ride on this, but I'm just not convinced right now uh, because my cynicism is at an all time high, having watched this industry fail 
over and over again to care for people and individuals, um, you know, over the course of my entire career. And the reason that we're like this in this industry is because of the culture that we've built. So yes, this does happen in lots of other industries. I've had women contact me from engineering, from tech, from fashion, from sport over the last couple of days, but the advertising industry is more insidious than any of the others. And that's because, again, we, we label ourselves as progressive and innovative, but also we champion this culture of we're mavericks, we're rebels, we live outside the lines of society, we don't play by the rules. That's just advertising, you know, we do this. And so that bad behavior then gets shoved under that lens. And it's like, well, this is this is a maverick industry. This is what we do. We're, we're risk takers, you know, that kind of stuff. And actually what we've done by doing that is we've encouraged assholes and predators and shitty behavior between different people. And that's not something to be proud of. And to declare, you know, the fact that we live outside of those societal norms, there are societal norms for a reason, you know, so that we're not awful to one another. Um, and I think that, you know, we need to reframe what this kind of maverick, rebellious uh, behavior and mindset has really given us. You know, if we're honest, I'm not sure it's given us that much. And again, it goes back to we're fantastic with words, but not with actions. How many agencies have you seen that have got posters on the walls that say no dickheads? How many dickheads does that agency actually uh, contain? Probably quite a lot. So again, that dissonance between words and reality. You know, we are an industry whose sole responsibility a lot of the time is to roll a turd in glitter. That's what we do. And that's exactly what we're doing with these problems. We are rolling shitty, horrible contexts, situations and realities in pledges and words and taglines and hashtag feminist and that's what I'm so cynical about so yeah when I get all of these things through on my email going I'm going to be a better man because of this piece I'm rolling my eyes so hard honestly and I'm just like great good on you off you go and then you know in next week they would have forgotten all of this and you know it'll essentially be the version of kind of digital chip paper um I really hope that's not the case, but that's just what I've seen. One of the issues I think we face as well is for all the for all the goodwill that might they might be looking for, where do they turn? Where where do we direct them to say this is this is where you learn? Uh, I think you tweeted earlier today. There's books out there to read. So if you you can self learn if you want, uh, where where are men going to go to actually figure out that their behaviour is not acceptable and how to improve? Because it's so widespread by the sounds of things. I mean, how are men just not understanding that this behaviour is illegal and completely unacceptable? How is, how is it so widespread that they don't see it? It's insane. They don't open their eyes to this stuff. I mean, you know, let's take the 3% conference as an example. So the 3% conference, the very first one that they ran in London um, I remember speaking to Kat before um, they put it on in London and, you know, helping to connect her with some agencies to try and make sure that they got some attendance there. Um, and I went for the whole day. And at 10.30 in the morning, they had a panel of male agency leaders up on stage talking about, you know, the importance of diversity and, you know, women being more represented and pay gaps and all that kind of stuff. And they were on stage for an hour. 
And when they were done, they left the conference because their voices had been heard. So as far as they were concerned, their job was done. They didn't stay. And because they didn't stay, they didn't learn. And because they didn't learn, they didn't change. And that's the problem. There are conferences galore. There is training galore. They do not do it. They do not attend. They do not learn. It's not because the resources aren't there. It's because they don't think that they need to be a part of it. And, you know, the first 3% conference, as I mentioned in London, the attendance was 99.9% women for the entire day. And those men fucked off the minute that they were finished speaking and they were not willing to listen. Um, They were not willing to actually hear women in that room discuss very real truths and very real problems. They just stepped away and they said, thank you very much for listening to us, ladies. Enjoy the rest of your day because this is a women's issue. And that's the problem. That needs to change. It all starts with a modicum of effort. Because even before you have these conferences, even before you have these meetings and these trainings and all of these resources that are made abundantly available, Google still exists at at the end of the day. It's like it, it takes if you are truly separated from the idea that treating people this way is hideous and illegal, if you if they're for whatever reason and I will not begin to guess how that is something that is difficult to understand. If for whatever reason it is, there are so many resources online that then the com- that you can take in from the comfort of your own home to make the space around you safe, equitable, mm-hmm. and you know fruitful. The, yeah. like it's our responsibility to do that for for everyone to make these spaces safe for people who you know are considered marginalized the if you are especially if you are in a position of any sort of position of privilege or power mm-hmm. you have the absolute power to change your the environment and it start but it starts with you ultimately mm-hmm. and if you need something to read you can start with the declaration that um, a group of women have pulled together with the help of Zoe to basically draw their line in the sand. Um, if you have not had an opportunity to read it, um, on Adweek, we were able to uh, post a very direct declaration from women in this industry who are saying essentially no more. Um, Zoe, can you tell me a little bit about pulling that together? Because it is it's it's fantastic one um it's shitty that it has to exist but if it does have to exist this is it this is the the one three can you tell me a little bit about pulling that together yeah I mean as you are more than aware because I'm sure you're even you're part of one there is a very strong whisper network among women Um, And the Whisper Network exploded after I published uh, Mad Men, Furious Women. And, you know, behind the scenes, which a lot of people don't see, you know, in the DMs, we were connecting. We were connecting via, you know, Twitter DMs, Slack channels, emails, WhatsApp groups, Google Docs. um, And we decided that we wanted to put a bit of a line in the sand. So, you know, my piece was one thing. 
Um, but I did kind of leave it hanging a little bit at the end. And we just wanted to kind of put something out there that stated our fury and stated where our minds were at. Um, but we also wanted it to be very, very clear in terms of um, what we expected moving forward and the fact that moving into the future, the behavior that they've got away with so far would be deemed unacceptable. And so we just felt like we just wanted to put something out there that was bold, that was unapologetic, um, and that basically encapsulated, you know, how we were all feeling. Um, and that's kind of how it came together. Uh, but yeah, it, it felt, again, you know, the whole thing came together in like an hour and a half, to be honest. We just, we all wrote it in a Google Doc um, and was add, adding bits and pieces and editing that was very collaborative. And I think, you know, we ended up with something that I think is, is, is just a, a fantastic articulation of, you know, basically the chest beating that women want to do right now, the rage that is coming out of their bodies um, and how enough is just enough. And then obviously that started uh, to get shared uh, yesterday on Twitter, which is great um, as other people started to rally around it. And that, that's all we could have hoped for. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where it came from. I mean, I've got it in front of me if you did want me to read it or else people could obviously just go to Adweek and read it there. No, hey, let's read it. <laughs> let's go, go ahead and make sure that it's available on multiple mediums so that no one can say that it's not accessible. Please, by all means, read it. Okay, I'll do it. This is the moment you never wanted to come. The line in the sand you never thought anyone would draw. The chorus of people rising one by one, each saying no more. No more will we let you get away with your behavior. No more will we bury the stories and suffer in silence. No more will we let you hide behind your wives and your daughters. No more will we accept your online virtue signaling as a sign that you've changed. No more will we let you be heralded as CEOs, founders, ECDs, and the leaders of this industry. Moving forward, your reputations will be forever scarred, as we are. If you're worried that your name has been shared, it has. If you're worried people are talking about you, they are, and a lot of us have receipts. Your NDAs may protect you for now, and the law may be on your side, but what is not is us, the people you have hurt, degraded, fired, assaulted, and raped. You may not believe that happens here, but it does, all the time. You and the people put in place to protect you have just made those stories disappear. You've all persuaded yourselves that it's just not that bad. But who gets to decide what is good and what is bad? Who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong? Who gets to play judge and jury? It was you, but now it's us. We recognize that management teams and HR departments protect businesses. So from now on, we will protect ourselves. We will have a zero tolerance approach. We won't escalate internally, we'll escalate to the police. You won't sign your silencing documents. We'll shout your names from the rooftops. We won't cower under your threats of reprisal. We will stand tall with an army at our backs. We won't take your money to stay quiet. From now on, there is no price you can pay to keep our mouths shut. While we may not be able to hold you accountable for your actions of the past, we can hold you accountable for your actions today and tomorrow. So think of this as your point of reckoning. This is a moment in time where you have a choice to make, to hold yourself and your behavior accountable, to learn and grow and change, or to keep doing what you're doing and to push against the turning of this tide. But trust us when we say that if you do, we will pull you under because now you won't be able to squash one person and their experience. You'll have to take us on all. You ignored Time's Up and Me Too. 
narrowly and laughed about it in bars. Yes, we know. But you should be more scared this time. Now you won't even get away with so much as a stray wink. So good luck out there. Accountability is a bitch. And now all eyes are on you. From listening to that alone, I mean, it's it's so well written, first of all, but so powerful. And I mean, how blunt it is, it's brilliant. But what I love about what has happened here is that we're starting to see the power of a community come together. And that will scare people. That is where this changes. That is where what you've just read out makes an impact. Um, I, I, what I'd love to ask about as well is, and, and I, I'm I'm so impressed by the strength of the fact that so many of the women who were talking to you, and I think you did this yourself, have messaged the people that harassed, assaulted, intimidated, uh, intimidated you all throughout your careers. What? How? I mean, I don't even know how to ask this properly, but what was that experience of getting in contact after all this time to tell these people what they'd done to you and it wasn't acceptable? What was that like? So I've had a slightly different experience. Um, I have officially reported one person and now he's being investigated. I have had two people reach out to me cold because they recognised their stories uh, and obviously shat themselves and thought, fuck, she might name me. Um, So they got in touch to tell me that they are reformed, that they have daughters, um, that they sit on diversity boards and that they're proud of me. So, you know, thank you very fucking much, Um, which was just unbelievable. I will not be responding to those messages. I don't owe them anything, especially not my time and my energy. Um, And, you know, I've also spoken to one particular CEO who reached out to me to congratulate me on my eloquence and to say that he was so sorry that I experienced what I experienced. I could have said thank you, but instead I decided to be honest and I went back to him and I told him that one of the assaults that I experienced was by one of his staff when he was CEO of that agency because I want him to know that that happened on his watch and that you may not be aware but just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. And that's one of the things that we need is more vigilance. So I've not been directly in touch with any of my harassers because I'm choosing not to. Um, but the women that have been, all power to them if that is the right way for them to go. Um, and I think, you know, some of them have felt that they have, you know, released a certain amount of pain as a result of that. It feels cathartic. But for other people, the idea of confronting their harasser or even allowing their harasser anywhere near them in terms of even coming into their text messages or their WhatsApp is too much. Um, And it would bring up too much fear and too much just, you know, messy emotional stuff. And the best thing that they can do is leave that stuff in the past and try and move on as best they can. Um, So I think it's different strokes for different folks on that front. You've got to choose what's right for you and how you're feeling at that particular moment, because it can actually be more damaging to do something like that. But I think to the women that have done it, amazing, because that is a level of accountability that those men never expected. Um, And I think a lot of them have been shocked getting those messages because they thought they'd gotten away with it, or they thought that person would be silent. But, you know, to have a woman coming up to them even years later and saying, what you did to me was not acceptable, um, and then them panicking. But the same response happens 
every time, every single message that I've seen that a woman has sent to me that she's got an apology, quote unquote apology from her harasser is the same. I'm so sorry you felt that way. I'm a better man now. No, if you were a better man, you would have reached out prior to this article, prior to her pushing you, and you would have said, I'm sorry for my behavior. That was a shitty thing to do. But they didn't. And you, and you certainly out. wouldn't. No. I mean, the only reason they're reaching out now is because they're freaking out. They're panicking because their accountability is coming. Yeah. And you, cer- you certainly wouldn't use your daughters or your, your wives or your mothers or any other women in your life as shields from accountability. That's one of the... That's, uh, a classic, classic move of um, men who perennially, perennially, perennially do not get it and do not understand. Um, it took me a, a lot to not like jump up there with the whole like I've changed. I have a daughter now, and it's like mm, that. That's not how that works. Um, mm, exactly, and it's also you're not you're not a feminist because you are associated with a woman. I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah. So, I mean, none of these are actually apologies. I don't think I've actually seen anything that borders on any kind of apology so far. Uh, all I'm seeing is panicking men, terrified of the consequences of their actions. Well, I'm going to piggyback off of what Stephen said earlier about the importance of building this community. And, thank, and I'm going to thank you so much for not just crafting this incredible piece and then sort of being this beacon for the these women that experience this but for sort of detailing your experience because that in and of itself having to because we're always steeped in it yeah like this is these when these things happen they inform us they inform how we navigate the world and how we form our relationships and how we work so we're always kind of steeped in this trauma, but to package it and to present it and to sort of like rehash it, that is something in and of itself. And it's something that we shouldn't feel, you know, a need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those people who do do that in order to sort of push the, or to sort of move the needle and push us to a greater good. I I do thank you for doing that. It's terrible that you had to. It's terrible that any of us have feel like we have to do this. Mm-hmm. But it's sparking something and helping other women in this position to stand up and say no more mm-hmm. and to make the industry do better because the industry has to do it better in order to thrive. Um, my final question to you that I really, I always think about whenever we have to do these things and we have to sort of revolve our lives around this movement. I think people who do not understand what we're going through are obvious, will often say like, I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired. I'm upset that we have to keep talking about this thing that we've supposedly moved on for from and our response is obviously like well we're tired of talking about it (laughs) we're tired of experiencing it there are other things we would much rather be doing um so my question to you is because you do a lot more than just mad men furious women and, and pulling together this community if this were not an issue what would you be excited to talk about right now 
I mean, I'd be excited to talk about my actual work, um, you know, which revolves around kind of fandoms and cryptocurrencies and new forms of creativity and, and all that kind of stuff. And I love that world, um, you know, and I actually released a huge deck on it the week before uh, I released the the kind of the article around misogyny. Um, and that's where I kind of want to get back to. But I also felt so strongly that I wanted to publish uh, Mad Men Furious Women because it just felt cathartic for me as well. But I don't, it, it, in a very, very similar way, you know, again, to when Black Lives Matter came out, I think that, you know, a lot of Black people felt as they, as they should do, that, that they were reduced, you know, by everybody else at that point in time. You were only the colour of your skin. You know, you were only your blackness and then your bigger world, your career, your life, your passions didn't matter because that's all you were. And that's all people were wanting to talk to you about. And the same thing is happening to me now. And I understand that. So for a period of time, I'm going to be the poster child, you know, of this kind of crusade that I seem to have accidentally lit the match on all over again. Um, but I don't want to be the poster child of it. I am a woman, but I'm also multifaceted. You know, I have my business. Um, you know, I have my interests outside of that and I want to try and get back to that. And it's not necessarily me saying, right, I need to, you know, return to the usual programming and forget, you know, everything so far. But I think we can we contain multiples. Um, and I think we need to be all of those things, but we need to kind of have that that wider recognition. Um, and we need to be able to tell our personal stories as well as push our professional success. Well, Zoe, I can't um, thank you enough for joining us today and being so candid with your experience, not just in the industry, but in this movement that will hopefully spark actual legitimate substantial change going forward. Um, where can people find you and your work? Uh, probably mostly on Twitter um, and obviously Substack, which is where the article has accidentally kind of blown up. Um, but that's probably the best place um, to go. And then obviously, you know, if you want to reach out to me to, to share your stories or you just want to connect in some way, then, you know, feel free to do that as well. I think that's one of the most important things that I also actually read um, from someone on Twitter is right now we can't jump straight into solutions because what is happening is this is unleash so much pain and we need to give people space to just process that and to heal from that as well. Um, and I think we are so big into jumping into, right, what do we do now? Um, and that is needed, but we also need to give people time. Absolutely. And Stephen, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always great to be on the podcast, but I, I think what we've just discussed is one of the major issues in this industry. And I'd just like to say, if you're a man that is listening to this and you, you've got this far if you're thinking i i don't know what i can do here i don't know how i can help the most basic thing you can do is in your behavior and how you talk to women around you in your workplace how you respect them and how you show other men how you behave because that is i mean not something we should even have to point out but if you think how do i help that is the least you can do is be respectful so please do that and with that thank you so much to you both our theme music is by home. This week's episode was produced by Nick Gardner and edited by Lane McGibney. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. 
thank you so much. And we will chat next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.